Well, hello and welcome to this English lesson outside. <laughs> We're finally outside again after many months of being inside. As you know, it was winter and then early spring. Uh, and sometime late last fall, I moved indoors because it was just getting too cold. Uh, and it's just not fun to do English lessons outside when it's really cold. Let me do an audio check for a sec and we will get this lesson started. Excellent. So you can see behind me that things are very, very green. If you go back just a few weeks, there's a video where we had a snowstorm and everything was covered in white snow. But since then, things have grown. If you look over here, you can see the rows of peonies have grown a lot. There are no flowers yet, but those will come soon. You can see the lawn behind me is growing. And if you look over here, you can see the trees across the river are just starting to leaf out, okay? So we are certainly in mid to late spring here. I guess mid-spring would be the most accurate. We have many, many things growing. I'm very excited to be outside. Um, Mode Ags did ask earlier if it's hoping, saying he was hoping it wasn't too much of a hassle for me to come outside. And it is a bit more work, but I think it's worth it. I really enjoy being outside. Sorry that I'm in the middle of the shot. Maybe I should move out of the way so you guys can have a better look. Anyways, as you can tell, I'm excited. I do like being outside. I think that is because I grew up on this farm and I just always like being out here. Let me do one more audio check and then I will start on the questions. There we go. Excellent. An English lesson outside. What could be more fun? Sorry, when I put the questions up, you are going to lose a little bit of the view. And I'll find a way to do that differently next week. But for now, that will be how things will go. Hello to everybody who's here. Just a reminder, please use the form if you have a question. And just a big hello to everyone who is here in the chat. First question is from Marianne. Hi, Marianne. What is the meaning of a ballpark figure? And if it is used, thanks, Bob. Yes, it is used. Let's say I wanted to build an addition on my house. Let's say I wanted to um, add an extra room to my house. I would talk to someone who builds houses and say, can you give me a ballpark figure? Um, how much would that cost? Can you just give me a ballpark figure? So that means not the exact cost, but a relatively good guess or good approximation. So let's say uh, an extra room on my house would cost $22,000. That would be the ballpark figure. The actual amount might be $23,132 plus tax. But a ballpark figure is simply, you know, a good guess um, at a number. And it's always with numbers, by the way. Let's see here. Ruslan says, hello, the nicest teacher, Bob. Thanks, Ruslan. An outdoor lesson is really a gift. The landscape is always beautiful. Best wishes, sir. So thank you. I am always happy to share this with people, what you see behind me. Uh, let me go to full display again. My plan is hopefully to get a much longer network cable for my laptop and maybe move around throughout the next few months so that you have a slightly different view every week. Um, this is one of my favorite views, but uh, definitely I will try to do that. So thanks, Ruslan, um, for commenting on the beautiful landscape. Uh, let's see here. Um, Eduardo. Hi, Eduardo. 
Eduardo says, hi, Bob. Good morning. I heard a phrase, stole someone's thunder. Little correction there. Someone's thunder. It means the same as you stole my star from Coldplay song. Thanks in advance. So the phrase, if someone steals my thunder, um, it means that I'm doing something and I want people to like me because I'm doing it, but then someone else does it uh, better than me. A great example would be if a singer is singing a song and then they invite someone from the band to sing with them. And if the person from the band sings way better than the singer, we would say that that's, that person is stealing the singer's thunder. So it's when you do something uh, better than someone else, usually in a performance or something like that. Mike has the next question. Mike says, hi, Bob. Could you use these in example sentences? Slop, thorough, and downtime. Thanks. So slop really just refers to um, anything that's not a solid and not a liquid. Um, so like mud is kind of sloppy. I'll use a, a different description, a different, slightly different word. Um, thorough means to do think something well. So let's say you needed to go and buy all of the ingredients to make pizza. You would want to do a thorough job when you're buying those ingredients. So you would want to do it carefully. You would want to do it precisely. Uh, and then downtime is just any time you aren't working and time when you are relaxing. So during my week, many of you think I'm very, very busy, but I do have downtime quite often. I have downtime every evening. I have downtime usually on Saturday afternoons and most of Sunday is downtime for me. I don't do a lot on Sundays. So uh, that's what downtime is. Uh, Let me just do an audio check. I'm not super concerned, but the fact that I'm outside and it's getting windy makes me uh, want to make sure the audio is working correctly. Mia has the next question. Hello, teacher Bob. Hope you are having a good day. What is, which is the correct variant? If you don't mind me or me asking you. So I would say this, if I wanted to ask someone a question, I would probably start by saying, um, I hope you don't mind me asking, but how many kids do you have? Or I could say, if you don't mind me asking, how many kids do you have? So there's a number of variants and both of the ones that I just used are very common and very, very correct. Uh, Let's see here. Um, This is a very, very broad question. Ellen from Brazil. Hello, teacher Bob. Hope you're doing well. I am Ellen. I hope you are doing well as well. Could you please explain how to form sentences in English? So if you're just starting out and if you're wondering how to form sentences, I would say, please just learn your verb conjugations or your common verbs and learn how to conjugate it with the subject so that you can say things like this. Right now, I am eating. Tomorrow, I am going. Like, try to figure out how to describe the things you are doing using very simple subject verb sentences. So, that would be my recommendation on how to form sentences. And then, it's always good to learn to ask questions like, I would like this or I would like that. Next question from Natalia. Hi, Natalia. Hello, everybody. What does to reach out to mean? Full sentence. There's always people to reach out to. So this is another one of those verbs that has two prepositions after it. Um, I think on my other channel, I did a lesson on, um, what was that on? To fill someone in on. So we have in and on. And this is another one, to reach out to. When you reach out to someone, it means you call them or uh, connect with them or send them an email. 
I could say this, I haven't talked to my cousin for a very long time. Now that the pandemic's almost over, I would like to visit him. I should reach out to him and see if I can come over. So when you reach out to someone, sorry, there's, there's more noises outside than inside. I'm not sure what that was. I thought someone was uh, coming to visit. Anyways, um, when you reach out to someone, it simply means that you give them a phone call, you send them a text message, or you send them an email. Uh, let's see here. So Duria says, hi, teacher Bob. Why do we say happy nurses day instead of happy nurses day? Thanks in advance. I'm not sure. I think because, yeah, I think we might say the second one actually, because when I think about happy mother's day, happy father's day, it would follow the same pattern, right? Let's see here. Happy mother's day. Happy nurses day. This is a good question. I'm going to probably spend way too much time on it. I don't know the answer. So maybe I shouldn't spend too much time on it. Uh, Let's just check here. What do we say? We say, Happy Father's Day with an an apostrophe. Yes, I do not know why. That is a very good question. Um, We probably should, but maybe someone just decided not to. I'll look it up later. If you leave, Durya, if you leave a comment in uh, below this video later, I'll do a little bit of research on that. Uh, Judith is here. I saw Judith earlier in the chat. Judith said she was happy that we were going to be outside. Um, and here we go. In some situations, it is proper to say afterlifes and lowlifes. Can you give us an example and explain why it is proper? So I think, yeah, that's a tricky one because the plural of life is lives, right? So you live a single life, but you can live many lives. Well, depends if you believe that or not. I'm not 100% sure about that. This is not a religious lesson or a science lesson. Um, So why do we say afterlifes or lowlifes? I'm not sure why. I would have to look that one up as well. Apparently, when Bob the Canadian teaches English outside, he forgets how to answer the questions. So um, I think I did some research on that once. I will have to look into it again, Judith, to find a better answer for you. Um, Let's see here. Zolma says, hi, teacher Bob. What's the name of the person who works preparing coffee? Happy Teacher's Day and thanks. So first of all, I didn't know it was Teacher's Day. Maybe it is, but I'm going to say it's a barista. A barista is a person whose job involves preparing and serving different types of coffee. I wonder what the origin of barista is. Uh, Maybe Todd or Dave can type barista in the chat so that you guys can see the word. Um, But uh, yes, a barista. It sounds a little bit Spanish, doesn't it? So that is someone who prepares coffee. Uh, Let's see here. Mahmood said, oh, hi, Mahmood. Good to see you. Hello, Mr. Robert. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Could you please tell me what does what do these words mean? A little correction there. To embrace, to trace. Thanks in advance. When you embrace someone, it means you give them a hug. When you embrace something, it means you do it and you're really excited to do it. Okay. So if I started taking uh, pictures, if I started the hobby uh, that we call photography, I could say, oh, I've really embraced photography lately. It means that I've really started doing it and liking it. And when you have, when you hold someone in your embrace or when you embrace someone, it means you give them a hug. When you trace something, it means you track it. Right now, we use the verb to trace a lot because of COVID. If someone gets COVID, they like to trace um, 
kind of all of their past interactions with people. So they want to find out who did you talk to yesterday? Who did you work with last week? So they like to do what's called contact tracing. They like to trace all of that person's past contacts. So it simply means to like look for to or to figure out. Uh, let's see here. I want to say hi to the 387 people who are watching. Thank you so much for being here. If you're new here, there is a red subscribe button somewhere over there. You should click it. Um, if you're new here as well, welcome to The View. Uh, this is the view that you get for the next few weeks if the weather's good or the next few months while we do English lessons outside. And if you're wondering how to participate in this lesson, um, there is a form where you can ask a question. I will do my best to try to try and answer as many of the questions as possible. Um, Amparo says, sorry, but it doesn't sound Spanish. <laughs> that uh, shows how much I know about different languages. It would be cool to find out um, the origin of that word though. Let's get to the next question. Let me find my question sheet here. Um, let's see here. Oops, I clicked the wrong thing. Sometimes that happens. So I'm just going to just check something for a sec. Um, okay, here we go. Um, where am I? Answer question. So Zineb says, how and when to use the present perfect. So I'm not going to go into too many details, um, but there is a video on the present perfect on my channel where I think in about six or seven minutes, I think I explain the present perfect fairly accurately, fairly well. I think that's your best bet uh, if you're looking for that, because otherwise it will take me a long time to explain it. Marwanto says, hi, Mr. Bob, can you explain about the, oh, can you explain the difference between other and another? That's how, that would be how you should form that question. Okay, so usually what I do with other and another is I give two example sentences. Um, I say things like, the other day, um, I went to town and I bought a pizza. Um, my kids liked it so much, I wished I had bought another. Okay, so there's an example of me using uh, two. I could say this, my older brother does, works with computers and my other brother works with computers as well. I only have two brothers, but if I had another brother, I betcha he would work with computers as well. We're a rather technological family. So there are some examples that you can use. Natalia says, hi, Mr. Bob, or Mr. Bob, I'm curious. Is it common in Canada to eat earthworms as delicatessen food? Best wishes. No, it's not very common. I know when I was a kid, I had a couple of friends that fried up some earthworms and ate them. I didn't try them, but it does remind me that we did do a lesson yesterday about the earth. If you were here yesterday, it was a fun lesson. So thank you for reminding me about that, Natalia. Um, no, it's not very common to eat earthworms, although I hear they are quite tasty. Maybe I should try them sometimes. Um, Maxim, hello, Bob. What is the phrase to manifest a ceiling mean? Thank you a lot and have a great day. I, I don't actually know, Maxim. I have, no, I have never heard of that word or that phrase to manifest a ceiling. Let's see here. I'm just looking at whether I can find that information. Is it in a song? It might be in a song. So to manifest a ceiling when you shy away. So here's what I would say. 
when you manifest something, it's like you create it. And the ceiling is something above your head. But we can also use the word to mean some kind of barrier. So it could mean to create a barrier in a certain situation. So that would be my best guess, Maxim. So hopefully that guess is accurate. So Yaroslav says, hi, dear teacher Bob, what speed of English do you normally speak? So I just read that question in my normal speaking speed and I am speaking my normal speed right now. So if you were to meet me on the street and say, hey, Bob, what speed of English do you normally speak? That's how I would talk. So hopefully this isn't too fast for you. You'll notice that I'm using a lot of reductions and I'm using a lot of contractions and I'm mushing all my words together. And I'm actually speaking a little faster than normal because I'm trying to speak faster. So um, hopefully that gave you a good sense, Yaroslav, of how fast I normally speak. By the way, if you're interested in practicing your listening for someone who speaks at normal speed on my other YouTube channel, Bob's Short English Lessons, usually for the last minute of the four-minute lesson, I speak very close to my normal speed. So check that out. It's called Bob's Short English Lessons. You can do a search on YouTube for that and you will find those videos. Generally, yeah, for the last minute, I try my best to speak naturally, clearly, and as normally as possible at my normal speed. Let's see here. Um, Dimitri says, Hi, Mr. Bob. I just want to recommend to your subscribers a way to learn vocabulary. Just record yourself as you read the definition and listen again before going to bed. That is awesome advice. And there are so many variations on how to create repetition in your life. So one of the best ways to learn vocabulary is to repeat the learning process. So if you read the word, you write the word down, you say the word, you record the word, you listen to it again before you go to bed, as Dimitri is suggesting. Anytime you can create repetition, anytime you can use a word a bunch of times after you learn it, uh, is just very, very good for you. Hey, I do want to say hi to the 449 people watching. Uh, it's fun to see any everybody outside doing an English question and answer lesson. If you are wondering what's happening, I'm Bob the Canadian. I teach English here on YouTube. I have many, many English lessons that you can watch on my YouTube channel. And if you are new, please don't forget to click that subscribe button over there. I do really appreciate it. And for the rest of you, thumbs ups are always good ways to show your support as well. Let's move on to the next question. Uh, let's see here. Yasin says, let me have a little sip of water here, everybody. My daughter lent me this super colorful water bottle. Um, when I'm outside, I need something with a lid because there are a lot of bugs around. Yasin says, hello from Iraqi Kurdistan. My question is, what's the difference between off the record, on the record, for the record? Um, Eid Murbach, Bobby, and thanks for taking your time. You're welcome. So, when something is off the record, if I was someone who wrote newspaper articles, if I said to someone, I'd like to interview you and it will be off the record, it means I want to have a conversation and I'm not going to write it down and I'm not going to put it into a news article. I'm not going to report on it. If I say it's on the record, it means I'm taking notes and I'm going to write a newspaper article and I'm going to say that you said these things. Um, when something is for the record, it's more something that you do in court and it's when you state something that's true. So for the record, can you tell us what you saw that evening? You'll often hear that phrase in court and what they're saying is 
please tell us what you saw and we're going to record it and write it down. We are going to keep a record of what you say. Dimitri says, hi, preppy, Mr. Bob. I got my preppy shirt with a collar on. The shirt doesn't quite match the surroundings, does it? Should I be wearing like a casual t-shirt and wearing a ball cap? I have a ball cap here, but it's my dirty farm work ball cap. And when I wear it, it makes it hard to see my face. So I'll just leave it over there. Anyways, my question is, what does a verb ditch mean? I heard it a few times in the videos that I watch in the Rocket League game. So a ditch as a noun is along the side of a road or street. And when it rains, the water goes in the ditch. But the verb to ditch or to ditch someone means to just leave them somewhere. So let's say um, my friends and I went to see a movie and after the movie, they said, let's go to a restaurant. And if I said, oh, I'm just going to go to the bathroom for a sec. And then when I came out, they were gone. I would say, oh, what happened? They ditched me. It means when you leave someone without telling them what you're doing. Okay. Uh, Sometimes friends will ditch their friends. It means they go on to do something else fun that day without telling someone or their friend what they're doing. And then that person is ditched. Like I got ditched by my friends. Um, let's see here. There's lots to, lots to watch on the road today. I should have turned the camera the other way. You would have been able to see. Um, you know what I should do? I should hook up a second camera. Um, that points in another direction. So when I see something cool, I can just switch to it. Maybe I'll do that next week. Mode, hi Mode. Mode says, hi, I have a few questions about prepositions, but you know what? I've decided on this beautiful day to save you the trouble, just accept the weirdness of the English as it is. You know, Mode, I'm really thinking of doing a lesson on verbs that have two prepositions attached to them uh, because the prepositions um, that we use in everyday English it seems so natural to me, but when I start to think about it, it's very confusing for me as well. Like I don't want to think about prepositions too much uh, because it's hard to know um, why we use some and why we use others. Hey, let me do a little quick audio check here, everybody. I'm getting a little bit of, getting a few errors, but that's okay. We'll continue on. I think everything is working fine. Uh, Mohammed says, hi, dear teacher Bob. Can you suggest some good TV shows? Thank you. That's it for today. So the problem with me suggesting TV shows is my um, favorite TV shows are usually either from France or Belgium. So I just finished watching a few months ago. I rewatched season two of La Treve. Um, My second favorite kind of TV show to watch is any kind of British uh, police drama. So I just finished finished watching the last season of Line of Duty. So I'm not overly familiar with American and Canadian television. I don't watch a lot of it. Um, But if you like science fiction, I just watched an American TV show called Debris about um, an alien ship that breaks up in space and all the parts fall to earth. Um, That was a good one. But if you're looking to learn English, I generally recommend this. Watch shows like The Amazing Race, um, Survivor, I don't like Big Brother as much because it's kind of a weird show, but anytime you can watch a show where there is unscripted natural conversation, it's very, very beneficial for you to learn English. Next question from Sudi. Hi, teacher Bob. Would you give an explanation on pass, pass by, pass on? Thanks. I have difficulty how to use them. So 
If I'm driving my car and someone in front of me is slow, I might pass them, okay? So I might drive and go around them. I might pass them. You can also, if you're sitting at a table, say, could you pass me the bread? So you're asking someone to give you something. When you pass by, it means usually you're driving and you're going past something that's not moving, okay? So I could say to my sister, hey, I'm going to pass by your house later today. Do you want me to stop in and help you move that couch, okay? So when you pass by, it means you're in motion and you're going past something that isn't in motion. And then when you pass something on, it means you tell someone about it. So I think I just dripped water on myself. That's not very, very, that's not very good. Excuse me. <clears throat> that wasn't very good either. Um, sometimes in English, this sounds kind of crude, but we'll say um, it went down the wrong hole. So sometimes when you swallow water, um, it goes down the wrong hole and then you kind of choke a little bit. That's, that's what happened there. I'm fine. Everything's good. Um, when you pass something on, it means you tell something, someone about it. So I love it when um, English learners who watch my videos, when they pass on to someone else that they've discovered my channel. So when they tell someone else about my YouTube channel, always nice when people do that. The more you share my videos with others, um, it just makes my channel healthier. It makes my YouTube channel do better. And then that makes me happy. Usually makes me happy. I have, I get more joy coming up with good, cool lesson ideas than I do with knowing lots of people watch it. So, um, my next lesson is going to be a little bit different. Um, I'm going to teach the difference between different words and then I'm going to give a special kind of quiz at the end. You'll see on Tuesday. Um, if I make that one for Tuesday, we'll see. Next question from Singing Fox. A line from a song. One day we'll take our leave and go. We'll take our leave. What does it mean? How can we use it in our life? Or is it just for a song? No, when you take your leave, it just means you're going to go. Um, and it's kind of this formal poetic way of saying it. So you'll hear it more often in songs than you will in everyday life. Um, but you could say, let's say there were two of us doing this live stream and the other person could say, well, it was fun joining you. I'm going to take my leave and head out now. Okay. So it just is kind of this formal poetic way in English. Again, sometimes we like to use more words than necessary because we like the way it sounds. And when you say that you're going to take your leave, it sounds kind of cool. So Ramon says, hello, teacher Bob, what, what is the name? of the river behind you. So a little fix there. What is the name of the river behind you? It is called the Welland River. Okay. So if you do look for it on Google Maps, you look for the Welland River. It's close to the town of Welland. That's where you will find it. Um, I should hook up that second camera because a truck just passed a car on the road. And I was just answering a question a little while ago about what does it mean to pass? <laughs> I could have shown you what it meant. Oh, well, we'll see. I don't want this to become too big of a setup on Saturday mornings. Hey, let me just, uh, let me switch to the big view and let me do an audio check for a moment again. Hopefully you don't get tired of me doing audio checks. Everything sounds good. Everything's working great. Let's get to the next question. Where are we at? Four minutes. Okay. This is from Danny. I have got a C1 level certificate. Okay, little fix there. You would say I'm certified level C1 or I have a C1 level certificate. 
How can I reach C2 living in a Latin American country? What do you suggest? So for those of you that don't know, the, the CEFR is a standard for measuring your language ability. And A1 is the um, lowest level and C2 is the highest level. I have my B1 and B2 in French. That means my French is good enough for me to live in France. Um, I would be able to study. But C1 and C2, you generally need to spend a lot of time talking with native speakers or with high level English teachers. So what would I recommend, Danny? You need to spend two to three hours a week with three different tutors on Skype or FaceTime. Um, you can use Preply down below to find somebody. And I would look for English tutors that specialize in preparing people for their C1 and C2 testing. And then you're going to have to spend some money. It's very difficult to get your C2 certification without living in a country that speaks that language for an extended period of time. So you're going to need to uh, be online a lot in order to do that. Um, Sima. What's the woke, woke culture? Why is it discussed a lot in the US? So woke culture is people who are aware of all the politically correct and important things that you're supposed to now do and say in life, okay? So a woke individual is aware of all of the things and has the correct political view on everything. It's a very difficult thing to understand. And currently woke culture is kind of a, it's a unique new thing in North America. It's even hard for me to fully understand and explain. So hopefully my explanation helped you just a little bit. Uh, let's see here. Um, Ola, Mr. Bob, how are you? My request, could you do an English lesson by watching an animated series? Okay. Mr. Sean did his YouTube channel, Learn English with Teacher Sean. So Ario, I've stayed away from teaching English with television series or teaching English with movies or teaching English with cartoons um, because it's really, it's just not my thing. I think it's a very effective way to create an English lesson. I know, I'm pretty sure American English with this guy, I think Brent did a few videos where he taught using TV series. Um, it's just not something I'm interested in, but I think it's awesome when other teachers do it. So hopefully you can find um, other uh, English teachers on YouTube that have done that. And hopefully that's helpful for you. Um, so Ulid says, hello, Bob. I would like to know if it's possible to ensure a topic concerning the field of finance, securities, and so on. Have a nice day. So I think I did a lesson on money. I'm not sure I did a specific long Friday lesson on banking or finances. So maybe I'll add that to the list, Walid, and I'll see if I can put that together uh, soon. Hey, let me go to no display, have a drink of water. Hopefully I remember how to drink water. <laughs> I think I, I forgot last time. And we are going to switch for 10 minutes to members only chat mode. So give me a sec to set that up. If you are wondering what is happening right now, this is a live English lesson that I'm doing in my yard. Um, I'm answering questions about the English language. If you're new here, you should subscribe. Just now I have turned the chat on to members only chat mode. 
members are people who have clicked the the join button below, not the subscribe, the join button. Uh, and they help support my channel. One of the perks, one of the things they get is they can ask questions directly in the chat for 10 minutes during every live lesson. So let's see here. Eugene says, I'm going to Niagara Falls on the lake to do some outdoor activities on the next Tuesday. We drive from my house to Niagara Falls. We'll take the QEW. I think on my way to Niagara, pass by your house. So first of all, good use of the word pass by. You will pass by my house, sort of. I live about a half an hour's drive from the QEW, but you're definitely uh, in my area. We would say you're in my neck of the woods. So you're relatively close to my house. Very cool. I hope you enjoy your your day in Niagara Falls and Niagara on the Lake. Very cool, uh, Eugene. Mode Eggs, I missed yours, says Ario. I see you are on Otaka. You certainly watch a lot of anime. Yes, I love anime, but I don't watch very much of it. I think someday I should spend a bit more time doing that. Uh, Semra says, hey, nice to be with you, Bob. Thank you very much, Semra. Julia says, dear teacher, it's not a question, mostly a dream of mine. I am waiting for a day when I will be able to watch at least one short video and don't need to look through the dictionary for words. That will come, Julia. It's uh, For me, it was weird as I was studying French. There came a time where I was watching a French television show and I forgot it was in French. And it was one of the best experiences in my life. Um, and I'm sure for you as an English learner, you will have that as well. One day you will be watching a short English lesson on YouTube and you'll you all of a sudden realize you didn't need to look anything up. That would be so cool. I, I'm happy for you. Samuel says, Bob, do you like to barbecue? I watched a video that a cook smokes a ham and makes a burger. It looks so delicious. Very beautiful scenery behind. Thanks. We currently don't have a barbecue. Our barbecue broke. We might get another barbecue this year. We'll see. But our oven in our house just broke. Our oven was 38 years old. The oven is what you use to bake bread or to roast things. Um, It was 38 years old. So we ordered a new oven. It's coming on Wednesday. I don't think there's any money left to buy a barbecue. (laughs) But yes, barbecues are cool. Let's see here. Lolly, Lolly. Bonjour, Bob. Pas de question. Merci. Merci beaucoup. Uh, Yep, no problem, Lolly. Mode eggs. Not sure which is more beautiful, the background or Mr. Bob's teaching. Thanks for this awesome lesson. Um, Well, the teaching's just the teaching, but the background is something that it just is, right? I mean, you you can't make this. This just is part of the beautiful world we live on. So I would agree that is a beautiful background. Al Gore, barista originates from Italian. Ah, there we go. Thanks, Al, for looking that up. It's a derivative from the word bar, means a bartender, someone in charge of the bar. Excellent. Uh, let's see here. Mohammed says, I wondered if the name of the river behind you, does it have a special name? So I think it actually has two names. It's the Welland River. I think it is also called the Chippewa Creek, but I have to look that up. Um, it's definitely bigger than a creek. It's definitely a river. Uh, let's see here. Um, um, Julia, sorry, Natalia. I was typing my long story thoughts and didn't answer you. I'm still on my way home. No problem. Uh, welcome, Almir. Be, uh, for Welcome to the channel. Thank you for becoming a member. That is awesome. Julia, thank you, dear teacher. You are so inspiring. No problem. And Rodrigo has given me a super chat. Thank you so much, Rodrigo. Hi, Bob. Thanks for the job you are doing. You are welcome. It is fun. It is a joy. I enjoy doing it. Hey, I'm going to leave members only chat on, of course, for another six or seven minutes. 
but I am going to flip back to questions from the forum um, and answer this question from Sam. Sam from Hong Kong says, why do we say God save the queen instead of God saves the queen? The UK is a Catholic country and there is only one God in Christianity though. Um, I don't know why we say God save the queen. God saves the queen. I think because it's it's talking about now and the future. It's an ongoing thing. So let me think of another phrase that we could say. Um, let's see. People keep their jobs. Cats love chasing mice. These aren't great examples, but we use that structure because what they're saying is they want God or whatever being they refer to as God to keep the queen safe right now and going into the future. Um, And then let me see here. I think that answers it somewhat well. Um, It's an interesting uh, phrase. As a Canadian, we still have a queen. We consider Queen Elizabeth our queen. Um, So I think we sing that song. Do we sing God Save the Queen? When I was a kid, I think we did in school. Um, Laura from Madrid, what's the difference between another and other? Can you give some examples? Thank you very much. I'll try to give the same. No, let me give a different example. Okay. My one van is red. My other van is blue. They're, they're sitting right there. I should just turn the camera. No, I'll mess something up. So my one van is red. The other van is blue. If I buy another van, I will buy a yellow one. I probably won't buy a yellow one, but that's a good example. My one van is red. The other van is blue. So the two I have right now, one is red. The other one is blue. And then I could say, if I buy another van, I would buy a yellow one or maybe an orange one. Al Gore, nice landscape, name of the river, Welland River. Are all of you on Google Maps right now looking at Welland River? Probably. So uh, let's see here. Putin says, hello, Professor Bob. Can you explain about culture shock? And can you tell me more about Canada's culture? Thank you so much. So culture shock is when you move from one country to another and things change so much that you're you're in a little bit of shock you're in you you don't know what to say or do a good example would be this if i moved to the city i would have some culture shock even though i'm in the same country because the way i live out in the country is different than how people live in the city so i would have culture shock because people would drive fast and honk at each other and there would be lots of people on the sidewalks it would be a little bit tricky for me to get used to it to adjust to it Uh, And then more about Canada's culture. I should do another video uh, lesson about Canada at some point, but I have done two. I did a long live lesson uh, about a year ago on Canada. Uh, It's the one where I'm wearing a hockey helmet. And I think I did a shorter lesson on Canada as well. Uh, Let's see here. Modag says, where's Brent? My banter mate. I don't see him around today. Uh, I haven't connected with Brent recently. Um, I know he was here yesterday morning. But I'm not sure. Maybe he has a busy Saturday. You know, in the U.S., things have opened up quite a bit more in the U.S. In Canada, we're still under a stay-at-home order. We're still in lockdown. But I know in the U.S., um, restaurants are open. There's a lot more to do. So maybe Brent's just out having a fun, enjoyable day. That would be cool for him. Um Eugene says, can singing O Canada in English and French? No. Can you sing O Canada in English and French for us? No. Sorry, Eugene. My singing skills are are, uh, 
Yes, I, I'm much better at teaching than I am at singing, so I will not be singing. Natalia, hello, Bob. Please, could you explain the difference between when and than and then? Yeah, that's a tricky one. I'd have to do an entire lesson on that, I think, because then refers to a time and than. Maybe you're just asking for the pronunciation difference. Let me do that right now. So when I say something, I try to say it clearly, when. Um, and then when I say something else, I try to say it clearly again. And I like my red van better than my blue van. Now I overpronounced it there, but when you're comparing things, you would use than, T-H-A-N. Uh, let's see here. Um, God Save the Queen is an appeal, not an action. Yes, it definitely is an appeal for sure. Um, and then Modags. Mr. Bob has another YouTube channel. In his other channel, he teaches English phrases. Yeah, that's a fun channel. I've been enjoying that one. Um, it's fun for me because it's a little more, um, I do less research and I enjoy doing just a quick lesson. Whereas on this channel, I try to do a lot of research to put together a very good lesson that's seven to 10 minutes long. On that channel, it's a little bit more uh, casual. I teach a couple phrases. I respond to a, a comment from the previous day. And then I just, in English, we would say, and then I just wing it for a minute. When you wing it, you just talk off the top of your head or do something without planning. Margo has the next question. And as I do that, let's go to no display so you can appreciate the background. And let me go to turn off members only chat for a sec there. So we're back into normal chat mode. Let me do an audio check as well, just to make sure the outdoor. Sounds good. Looks good. The grass, by the way, um, I have to adjust my camera colors. Uh, it's actually a lot greener than it looks behind me. I know it looks green and lush to you, but the colors are a little off, if you know what I mean. So I have to figure out how to adjust my camera colors uh, so that they aren't off. And also I'm getting sun on this side of my head. I'll have to adjust. I have a canopy above me right now. Do you guys want to see? So I'm sitting under a canopy. I'll have to adjust that um, for next week so I'm not sitting in the sun. I'll probably get like a weird sunburn on one side of my head. I don't know why that cracks me up. If that happens, it will hurt. Uh, let's answer this question though from Margot. Hi, Bob. Please explain the difference between in spite of myself and against my will. So when you do something in spite of yourself, it means you do it even though maybe you knew you shouldn't do it, you know? So in spite of the, I did it in spite of myself. Um, so uh, let me look that one up. Let's get a better definition of that. Um, meaning of in spite of myself. Sometimes it's better to get a good, although one did, did not want or expect to do so. Yeah. So to do something, even though you weren't expecting to, the example they give is he smiled in spite of himself. So he wasn't planning to smile, but he smiled anyways. Um, against my will is when you um, are forced to do something. So let's say um, you wanted to take the bus to school, but your parents made you walk. You would be walking against your will. Okay, my parents made me walk to school against my will. I wanted to take the bus. Um, to step and to step foot. So when you step, it's simply when you walk, like you take a step. So there's several steps when you go up the stairs. 
for some reason, my, uh, my voice is drying out, out here. Maybe I have allergies. So anyways, um, so when you walk, you are taking steps. Okay. So I can step towards my van. Um, but when you step foot in, we need to add an in there. It means you enter someone's house. So when I step foot in my sister's house, I take off my shoes. When I step foot in the building at work, I leave my shoes on. So it simply means to enter. Let's see here. Luis says, hello, Bob. I can understand almost everything that you say, but I have translated everything in my head. How can I avoid it? So more is better and repetition is good. So those are two things you should know. The more you listen to English speakers, the less you will translate in your head. And the more often you listen to something, the less you'll translate. A good example would be if there's an English song you really like, listen to it 10 or 20 or 30 times and eventually you should automatically stop translating in your head. You can do the same with lessons on YouTube. You can watch an English lesson two or three times. After that, it gets quite boring, but that can really help as well, that repetition. Uh, and I find it's always good to kind of keep a running dialogue in your head during the day. So try to say words in your mind in English during the day. When you see a car, say there is a car in your mind. That can help as well to get that English thinking going. Eugene says, hi, Bob, the 4K video file is too big. They are big. 4K video files are big. I just bought two 64 gig SanDisk USB flash drives today, then downloaded the video files to them and we'll ship them to you next week. Well, that's very cool, Eugene. Thank you for that. Uh, I will look forward to that uh, and see what those uh, video captures of the area around Toronto is like. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, let's see here. Um, I'm Andre. Hi, I'm Andre from Rio de Janeiro. How are you, Bob? I'm good. Could you please, or could you explain the difference between every day, every day, sometimes, and sometimes? Thanks a lot. So every day is one word. So this is, um, this is an everyday shirt for me. This is uh, an everyday water bottle. It just means very, very common. But when you do something every day, you separate the words, okay? So every day I get up around 6.30. Let's look up the difference just to make sure. Meaning of every day versus every day. What's the difference? <clears throat> Excuse me. Every day is an adjective used to describe something that's seen or used every day or is very ordinary. Every day is a phrase that simply means each day. So my explanation works. That's good. I'm glad when the internet agrees with me. Um, and then sometimes and sometimes would be the same. You would look at it like, uh, sorry, no. We use sometimes without a space almost all the time. So sometimes when I'm talking, I need to take a drink. Sometimes when I'm outside, it's sunny. It almost always has no space, okay? Um, I go to work. I don't know when I would use it without a space. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to think about that one. That's a, tr that's a tricky one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. I'll figure it out at some point. Uh, let's see here. So this is from Natalia again, the difference between words when and then in the sentences. So when simply refers to um, when you're asking a question, like when are you going uh, to the party? When are you leaving the party? Uh, when are you buying a present for your mom? 
And then then is simply that word, you know, I'm going to buy it tomorrow. I'm going to buy it then. So hopefully that made a little bit of sense. Just remember that when is generally the questioning word for a time. Let's see here. Next question from Irina. Hi, Bob. How do we pronounce morning versus morning? They are the same. So morning is when the sun comes up. Morning with a U is when you are sad and reflective because someone has died. So you're usually in mourning, we say. Uh, and reassure and encourage. When you encourage someone, you're saying happy good things to make them excited about something. When you reassure someone, um, it usually means they've made a decision and you're telling them that they made a good decision. You're making them feel good about the decision that they made. Let's see here. AJ has the next question. I want to get high marks in IELTS. Could you give me some advice, please? So I know this costs money, but there's two things you can do to prepare for um, an English test of any kind. Number one is to buy a study kit from Amazon or somewhere else that's specifically made to help you study for that test. So if you're doing the IELTS, you would buy an IELTS study kit. The second thing you can do is you can hire a tutor, it also costs money, who specializes in preparing people to do their IELTS or whatever test you're doing. There is a lot of value in hiring someone who is a specialist, someone who knows exactly how to teach you to prepare to take one of those tests. So that's what I would highly, highly recommend. I know it costs money, but I mean, you're paying to take this test anyways. You want to make sure that you get a good grade. So find someone who can help you and coach you. Let's see here. Dima from Russia. Hi, teacher Bob. A friend of mine from the US told me, Dima, I'm done with my surgery after his surgery on his wrist. Why didn't he use have? I have done with my surgery. Well, his sentence is correct. I'm done with my surgery. Um, If you phoned and said, hey, did you have your surgery yet? You can say, yeah, I'm done with my surgery. I had it yesterday. Everything's going good. You wouldn't say have done. No, it just doesn't sound right. I don't know exactly why, but to say I have done with my surgery, you could say I am done with my surgery. You definitely can't say have done. Doesn't work. Uh, Totally sounds uh, incorrect. Alex. Hey, Bob, do you learn other idioms? Do I learn other idioms as an English speaker? No. Sometimes new ones are invented every once in a while, but usually I learn new words every year, but not often new idioms. But every once in a while, yes. Do I teach new idioms? Yes. Quite often on my other YouTube channel, I teach new ones. Uh, Betty from Taiwan has the next question. Here we go. Uh, I should pause and say hi to the 579 people watching. Hi, everybody. If you're wondering what's happening, I'm Bob the Canadian. I teach English here on YouTube. If you want to subscribe to my channel, you should click that red button. If you want to support my channel, you should click the join button. Uh, I make English lessons every Tuesday. I do a live English lesson every Friday morning. And I do this question and answer lesson every Saturday, uh, three times a month. So if you want to uh, practice your English, improve your English, learn a little bit more, do consider subscribing to my channel. And thanks for being here this morning. It's kind of fun. We are outside just learning a little bit of English. Let's get back to the question. Um, 
Hi, the cutest teacher, Bob. Well, thank you for the kind words. How to really master grammatical concepts that are really difficult. Hope all is doing well. By the way, you look so nice in nature. Well, thank you, Betty. You know, I, I don't know exactly the best way to master grammatical concepts except to learn them and then use them. I, I sound like a broken record, but the more often you learn a grammatical concept or a grammar concept and then use it in speaking, in writing uh, at least four or five times right after you learn it, it's just very, very helpful. So, if you learn a grammar concept on a Monday, use it on a Tuesday in an email, use it on a Wednesday in a conversation, use it uh, on Thursday in a text to someone, just try to use that, uh, that concept as much as possible. Use it, use it, use it. Uh, if you don't use it, you lose it. That's what we say in English. Um, next question from Rakib. Hi, Bob. Hope you are doing great. I am. Thank you. Could you explain when to use what does mean and what do mean? Thanks in advance. Um, yeah. So, when you're asking about a word, you would say, um, what does bike mean in English? Okay. Um, what, what do actors do? So, it's a little different, right? What does bike mean in English? What does a bike do? So, I, I hope I'm answering your question. Your second phrase is what's giving me a bit of trouble. The what do, I think you might mean what do you mean? So, if someone says to me, ah, oh, I, uh, I, I ran in a race, I could say, what do you mean? And that basically is me saying, explain more to me. What do you mean? So, what does race mean? If I wanted to know the meaning of the word race, or if someone says something and I want further explanation, I could say, what do you mean? What do you mean when you say race? So, here, let me go back to that. What does race mean or what do you mean when you say race? That's how I would use those two. Hopefully, that makes sense. Um, next question from Carmen. Hi, teacher Bob. I often listen to songs in English uh, to improve it. In one of them, there is an expression that says, a part of thee. Is this used normally? Thanks. No, we would say a part of you. The is a really, really old word that you only really see in old, old songs or when people are trying to sound cool or poetic when they're singing. But no, we do not often see the word the. It's in the Canadian National Anthem though. We stand on guard for the. I think someone mentioned that uh, a while back. Uh, let me see here. Um... Just checking something for a sec. Um, sorry to go quiet for a sec. I'm just looking at something. I Sometimes my laptop, when I used to do this with my phone, um, I wouldn't get errors, but sometimes my laptop gets a funny error um, and it's kind of a unique thing. Uh, let's get to the next question. What is the next question here? Jeff. Hi, please. Can you talk about flap T? Thanks. Well, flap T is an interesting thing, right? It's when you have a T in a word, but it kind of becomes softened a bit. I'm trying to think of the best example. Um, oh, you don't hear me say, I'm going to drink some water. Water is not how we pronounce that word. Even though there is a T in the middle, we say water. Water. You hear how I'm, I'm over pronouncing it a bit to emphasize, but oh, I'm thirsty. I'm going to drink some water. Okay. Um, 
So, yeah, it's just water, water. It's like a softening of the T sound. That's my best explanation of that. Uh, let's see here. Next question from Akil. I sounded my horn to keep the child away in front of the car. Is this correct? We would say I honked my horn. Okay. We would use the verb to honk. And I would say I, I honked my horn to warn the child to stay away from the front of, to, from, yeah, how would I say that? Is the child already in front of your car? I honked the horn so the child would get out of the way. That's what I would say. I honked my horn so the child would get out of the way. That's how I would, that would be the most, I honked my horn so the kid would get out of the way. I was driving along, a kid ran in front of me. I honked my horn so the kid would get out of the way. And I hit the brakes. You should hit the brakes too. Uh, Let's see here. Newt says, hi, teacher Bob. I have just liked and subscribed to your channel. Thank you, Newt. Welcome to the channel. I hope you enjoy all of the lessons that you can watch already and all of the new lessons that I will keep putting out. Um, Andrit says, hi, Bob. Could you please explain to me, I'm going to add a two in there, the meaning of this. Lo and behold, thanks. It simply means that... um, you're surprised by something or something unexpected happened or someone showed up that you weren't expecting. So I could say this, when I have a campfire over there, this isn't true, by the way, I'm making this up. When I have a campfire, my sisters come, but my brother doesn't. But the other day we had a campfire and lo and behold, my brother showed up. So it's kind of like, by the way, my brother does come. And also we don't have campfires right now because of COVID. But lo and behold is just a way of saying, um, something happened that you weren't expecting. I could say this. Um, I had a student that was going to fail my class and lo and behold, they handed all their work in on the last day of school. So it's a way to introduce um, something that happened that you weren't expecting. Um, so this is from Alina. Kindly make videos on the American accent, how to keep tongue posture during pronunciation. Deep work on accent is required. Kindly make a series. I'll think about it. I have not done a lot of lessons on pronunciation or on how to position and form your lips and tongue and mouth when making certain sounds. There are a lot of good videos on that. If I do one, I'll probably try to make it funny. Um, And hopefully people don't mind that. Um, But let me see if I can do that. Hey, if I lean back, look at that. I'm in the sun. If I lean back, I lean forward. I'm out of it. I will reposition my canopy for next week. If the weather's nice. Durbeck says, bless you. Thank you, Durbeck. I appreciate that. And let me see here. Next question is from Rosa. Hello, Bob. Here is Here it is 22 degrees and it is a little bit cool, cold. 22 degrees. That's almost the same as here. But you're like on the other, in the other hemisphere. Could you pronounce ant and ant? The ants bite my ants and pronunciation. Thanks. Yes. So we, they are the same. Um, um, we definitely, like, I have an Aunt Sarah, and there are ants on the ground here. So, ant and ant. We pronounce them exactly the same way, even though they are spelled differently. Rodrigo says, I've been in New Zealand for eight months and had many difficulties understanding the New Zealand accent. May I keep listening to American or Canadian accent because for me it is more natural. If you are still in New Zealand and if you plan to study or work in New Zealand for a long time or live there permanently, 
you should be listening to someone with a New Zealand accent. It's very important. You can keep watching my videos if you want, but it might be better for you to find a YouTuber who specifically uh, speaks with that accent so you can practice listening to it. So I always appreciate when people watch my videos, but I have to be honest as an English teacher, sometimes my videos aren't that helpful. If your goal is to have to be able to understand a British accent, I don't have one. If your goal is to understand an American accent, I have a Canadian accent and it's 99% similar. That's usually what I say. But if you're trying to learn how to understand a fast speaking New Zealander or Australian or someone from Britain, um, find more resources where you can listen to that. Here's a good one from Jaro. Hi, teacher Bob. Love your videos. Could you tell me the difference of pronunciation between can and can't? Thank you. Yes, I can do that. No, I can't do that. Yes, I can do that. No, I can't do that. The problem is we say can't so quickly, like I overpronounced it there, that it's hard to hear the T. So yes, I can do that. No, I can't do that. So hopefully those, I'm saying that as examples, by the way, hopefully everyone understood that. Yes, I can do that. No, I can't do that. So just rewind and listen to me saying those again. When I say can't, there's just a slight T sound at the end, okay? So um, yes, I can do that. No, I can't do that. There we go. Hey folks, that's it. I'll leave you with a beautiful view. Give me one second here um, to sit back a little bit. I'll jump out of the frame. I guess my microphone will still be there. But uh, thank you so much for watching. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for being part of this English Q&A lesson uh, where you got to ask me some questions and enjoy the great outdoors while I tried my best to answer them. It's been one hour. I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to hit the end button in just a moment. But I do want to say thanks to Todd and Dave uh, for being here and for helping out. And thanks to everyone else who was here. Looks like we went over 600 people today. Um, I'm not going to say that's because I did a better job. I think the great outdoors brings out an extra 50 people. (laughs) That's my guess. Anyways, have a great weekend. Have a great day. Uh, I am going to pop out of the frame for a moment and move the microphone so you can appreciate the view. Uh, But do remember there will be a new lesson on this channel on Tuesday, a new live lesson next Friday, and we'll be outside again, hopefully next Saturday if the weather is nice. Bye, everybody. Have a great day. See ya. Have a great weekend, too. I use my kitchen chair today. I, I should find an outdoor chair, probably. Okay, that's the end. Bye, everybody. Hopefully you enjoyed the little view there at the end. Hi, Bob the Canadian here. Thank you for listening to this English podcast lesson. If you would like to support me in the work that I do as an online English teacher, please visit patreon.com slash bobthecanadian.